there. It's January 11th, 2024. Welcome to episode 305 of Rook. I'm Gian Gomeshi. Hello to you from Toronto. Salam dustan aziz, durud bashoma. Hope you are doing well wherever you are tuning in from around the world. We have a big announcement on today's show. A big announcement in a few moments. But first, a couple of days ago, a friend of mine sent me a video clip of an athlete or I suppose some kind of daredevil gymnast type doing a backflip with no net atop a ledge perched above a cliff that stretched way down into a gorge below. It was one of those heart-stopping feats to witness. The backflip was accomplished. The person did a fist bump. And many of us on the internet now watch it on our little screens and gasp and nod in appreciation before potentially sharing the clip with someone else. So this little 20-second video has millions of views. It's a good example of what we today call going viral. And it has every reason to get attention. It's an interesting or surprising or extraordinary sample of human behavior caught on camera. According to Collins, the official definition of this kind of digital virality is the following. If a video image or story goes viral, it spreads quickly and widely on the Internet, through social media and email. You know that part. The Cambridge Dictionary definition adds the following. There's no surefire way to make a given video go viral, even if it features a celebrity. And that's the thing about going viral. There's a supposition that it almost always involves a stroke of luck. The idea is that since we cannot exactly explain digital virality with scientific precision, it is really just the good fortune of those who strike gold. Indeed, a viral video, inasmuch as it is intended to be for an audience, can benefit the creator or the subject and turn them into global stars overnight. And since it's a new area of expertise, it surely cannot require that much education, right? Cyberspace is a gamble, right? Some win, some lose, the algorithms randomly create stars, right? But... While there can be videos of unexpected events or reactions that garner millions of views, if you dig a little deeper, it turns out that the idea of going viral being only about luck in the internet lottery is actually a fallacy. In fact, we find out that those who experience massive success in cyberspace and social media with viral videos have gotten there through the same kind of effort, time, practice, learning, talent, fortitude that it takes that athlete to perform the perfect backflip over a cliff in the first place, or that technical engineer who was the genius that invented the camera that is capturing the moment. My guests today are two young-ish Iranians who have both experienced the thrill and widespread recognition of viral videos and who both put a lot of methodology and practice into doing what they do. Puya Hashemi's funny short video about pretending to pass a substance to a famous actress now has 84 million views, but it was no coincidence. It took him a few days to develop this 20-second short clip And smart, idea-laden videos are what Puya does, and he works at this meticulously. Nima Nazeri's very funny Persian Uber driver Instagram video from about a month ago already has 1.2 million views. And that's no surprise because Nima is now devoting a great deal of his days to dreaming up, planning, and performing this kind of creative content. Puya joins us from California in a few minutes. Nima from Australia. 
going viral, at least in a positive way, can be a happy accident. But more often than not, it takes the kind of expertise that catapults anyone in any career to the top of the game. Two of the best in the diaspora at online content. Join me today. All right. Really good to have you with us. This is episode 305. Let's get started. This is Rook. From the Rook Studio, episode 305. Hi, Raho June. Hello. There will be no roundtable today. No, unfortunately not. Partly because we've got two amazing guests coming up, mm-hmm. but also because Pega, also known as Smart Pega, mm-hmm. also known as Smart Pega Ganji, SPG, yeah. uh, is sick. Unfortunately, everybody's sick these days. Everyone is sick. Everyone I mean, is sick. <laughs> I'm annoyed. Yeah, it sounds like you're, it's, I mean, metaphorically, everyone is sick. But also, a lot of people are sick. Yeah. The new COVID, the oh flu. Oh my God, don't even, I'm so worried about that. Are if you? I, if I catch COVID one more time, How many I think times I'm have you die. had COVID? Two times, and then count the the vaccination as well, because I got really sick after both vaccinations. When you say if I if you catch COVID another time, I'm going to die. You mean that as a an extreme overstatement of? We, we never uh, know. Let's see. You don't mean you're actually going to die. <laughs> I don't know. That would be a sh- you know that would suck because then we would have to postpone the roundtable again. Is that what you're sad about? <laughs> yes, that's what my mind goes to. Great. God forbid. <laughs> that, now uh, I know what my role if is Raha, in this life. If Raha dies. <laughs> no. Zabunet lol. Zabunam lol. Uh, zabun, uh, zab, zabunam lol. Sorry. Zabunet, <laughs> zabunam agaz begidam. Uh, yeah. um, so anyway, get better, Pega. And yeah. uh, we Jai miss you. Jai Tkhali. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, coming up. Puya Hashemi, Nima Nazari. First of all, um, Puya, I'm going to tell him this as soon as we start the interview, but I first saw, (laughs) I can't get enough of this video. I first saw him, um, somebody shared one of his videos. It wasn't that long ago. It was this year, like uh, maybe a year ago or something, of him doing a, um, he was uh, 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 pretending to be somebody who works at a Persian restaurant. Uh, and when you come and take yeah. take out food and, and they, they put it in a bag. That's and actually the first video of him that I saw. You too. saw too? And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think maybe for Persians, this one really, because yeah. he's, got, he's got some <laughs> videos that have millions and millions of views. This one has a couple of million, but, but, it's, but basically they take, the guy's taking the bag and really keeps, keeps tying it Tying. tighter and tighter yeah. really aggressively so that you get it home and you're just trying to get at your kubi there and you have to like yeah. figure out how to open the bag and it's so true they all do that and it's so funny to watch this like yeah. i couldn't stop laughing every time i see and because it's this simple observation mm-hmm. that you know he's turned into this video that yeah. makes sense that it's gone viral because totally. so many of us uh, relate to it so puya hashimi is an interesting guy because we know him for these funny videos. Mm-hmm. Turns out he only started making these kind of videos in the last three, like since COVID. Yeah. 
in the last three or four. Like he's not a comedian. Like yet, well, I guess he is now, but mm-hmm. he didn't. He hasn't been a comedian. He hasn't been. This hasn't been his performative sort of career. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a business guy, an entrepreneur, a tech guy. He created this thing called Rapid Screen during COVID for COVID testing. Like, yeah, like he's an Iranian business guy, went to, got a business degree or something, mm. who I guess, I know he was doing magic tricks as a kid or something, but I guess he's he's suddenly found his gig in, as another gig at least, I mean, but it, he's doing really well at it, at, at doing these funny videos, yeah. these observational videos. Yeah, I think it's... Um it's um it's a form of art i think at least for the past few years that tiktok and instagram have become so mainstream this new form of art and creativity has has come up which is like finding ways to create short videos or short content that are um catch and some of it is bullshit and some of it is lucky but but most of it isn't and that's the point i was trying to make in my little opening there that uh and I've been guilty guilty of this. Whenever something is new, we think, oh, well, this is, you know. Not, it, rem- it reminds me of when people started to use, like, drum machines, like mm-hmm. computers and music. And it was kind of like, well, that's not real music. You know, that, that, that doesn't. And then you realize, no, it actually takes an art to create these machines to create a different kind of music. And, and sure. so similarly, people who are making these videos that are going viral, some of them might be lucky, but for the most part, they're they're basically creating the blueprint for a new talent like it it like like the talent to create music for it tiktok really is. is different from yeah. creating music for a 16 song album you know it's yeah, a, it really is and it's so fast-paced and most of these influencers they have to spend so much time on deciding like on planning for it because um, part of staying famous or staying insta famous or saying staying an influencer is having enough content to share with your audience not to go down on those alg- algorithms that you just mentioned so um, it is a real job, I think. Many people just try to say, you know, you know, being an influencer is not not much like of yeah. a of a job, but I think it's it's the opposite. They have to work really hard. They have to create content constantly and come up with creative ideas. Well, because it feels like sometimes it's just hot people who are able to take pictures of themselves and get millions of views. And that happens on, um... <laughs> which is also <laughs> true. But but even that, yeah. that's a that's a that's a tough gig. You know, e- knowing how to pose like, and yeah. for eight hours a day in one pose, or putting up with all of all of that, and and having to scrutinize, yeah. having being scrutinized for the way you look constantly, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Puya Hashimi joining us in a few moments from uh, from California, and then Nima Nazeri. He's so funny. He's great, and he's a Toronto guy, yeah. Nima. Right. So check this out. Nima has picked up in the last couple of weeks and moved to Australia news yeah well yeah I, I reached out to him um why? To, to, why did i reach out to him no oh. <laughs> why did he move? well that's why I'm, I'm gonna ask him i mean he's we're gonna check in i actually wanted to get him back in the studio mm. um or to be part of this new announcement that mm-hmm. we're about to make um thinking that you know he's he's in toronto and yeah. uh so i reached out to him a couple of weeks ago and he said uh yeah hey i'm in melbourne and we moved here. He and his brother. His brother manages him. So, mm-hmm. so Nima will join us from Melbourne, Australia, wow. to explain what the hell he's doing in wonderful. Well, you know, it's summer. I'm so curious to know why he he went, and I'm curious to know if he's seen any crocodiles and snakes. And this is weird. He's in a big city. 
it's like somebody I, saying they went to no, Canada. I, I'm curious if you've seen if they've no, seen but any I hear from igloos. everyone that in Australia you see like giant spiders or snakes or in downtown Melbourne. Everywhere. You see them no, everywhere. No, I don't think apparently. so. Oh. We just lost our, our Australian audience. We have a lot of people who listen to us in Australia. Mostly Sydney. Why would we lose them? Because they're like, well, what are these people talking about? They think that there's crocodiles right? walking down the street in Melbourne. <laughs> That's not what I said. And what if I'm right? <laughs> well, that is exactly what you said. So, uh, first of all, it's summer in Australia. Let that mm-hmm. sink in mm-hmm. as you look out the window in Toronto today. Well, actually, I like this. With your so. ski pants on. You're wearing you ski really pants. Can I explain how Iranian Rao is? <laughs> it's like two, three degrees. It's not even cold outside. And it's raining. And you've got ski pants on. This guy is being really mean to well, me. Are I you wearing a, ski pants? I'm not now. No. Oh, you, Look. That's oh, why it's not the, making You took the ski pants yeah. off? Oh, you came They're in wearing making, ski pants. Because, it w- because you had to brave the, the plus three rain out there. <laughs> it would have made a lot of noise, but no, I walked my dogs really early in the morning, uh-huh. and I and I was going to have a really early morning this morning. And I, you're Iranian rescue dogs. I do, I do, I, love that. I do, and um, I just didn't feel like changing, so I was like, whatever, I'm gonna go to work. And I need my ski outfit on because it's uh, plus three degrees in plus Toronto. when it's snow, it was snowing first of all. But it does. It, it is the, the thing about Toronto is, and I will always defend, and uh, you know, I love Toronto. It's my city, but. Uh, but it really is gray for a few months of the year. Like, uh, that's the yeah. thing. It's not necessarily cold. No. It's not about it being cold. It's about it being gray. Yeah. And uh, I just imagine being in Australia right now. Why do you have to do this? Thing? Sun. Well, you asked why would Nima Nazari go to Australia? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, Nima joining have us winter, on. winter, right? Sorry. They do have winter. In yes, the they have winter. They have winter, so. They have winter. That couldn't be. And they don't have, and there are no crocodiles in the <laughs> condo in Melbourne, um, Raha. What if there are? <laughs> well, <laughs> dear Australians, please uh, get in touch with us. Let us know yes. the proximity of the crocodiles. Yes. I thought you were going to say kangaroos, but I you know, avoided the, the no, stereotype. I know, I know you went straight to the facts. The yes. crocodiles are walking down the street in Sydney. Because I'm and, scared of crocodiles and uh, snakes, right. not kangaroos. I don't mind them. We have a big announcement. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty big announcement. It is. It Before really we is. get to the, the show, I wish Pega was here. We've been talking about making this big announcement now. Before we get to our guests, um, well, I mean, I don't know. The, Do you want me to give you drum rolls? Yes, can you? That's pretty good. That's actually my drums are over there. I you know. Can I, Do you want me? Do you know how to play drums? Yeah. Little, you do? Just a little. Oh. But um, I'll just do it here. Okay, thank you. Are you ready? Yes, go. Big announcement. Thank you, Raha. Rook Live, the first Rook Live ever. Woohoo! Which means we are doing Rook, the sound of one person saying woohoo in the studio. That uh, we we are we are doing <laughs> Rook Live in front of an audience. Yes. At the Theater Aurora in Theater or Aurora. scenic Aurora, Ontario, Canada, which is a um, a lovely place just north of Toronto. So basically mm-hmm. the greater Toronto area. Our first time doing Rook in front of an audience in a theater, Wednesday, February 7th, 2024, mm-hmm. 7 p.m. Tickets available as of this moment. Yes. Raho. Yes, right now. Right now. Go on event right, right now. 
go on. Uh, that's yeah. what they have to do. Yeah, they yeah. have to go on Eventbrite and put yes. in R O Q E Rook, yeah, right? Rook Live or live talk show, live interview. Rook Live is what to search for. If you yes. uh, really, if you put Rook, if you just put live talk show, it'll come. Up, our thing will come up. Yeah, and the city is important. Right? Yeah. yeah, Aurora. Aurora, oh. Toronto. So, event uh, <laughs> people are already confused. <laughs> Eventbrite, go to Eventbrite and uh, type in Rook or Rook Live, or even easier, go to our website rookmedia.com, and on the front page there, we've got the the link Rook Live in front of an audience. Now, let me tell you something. We Come. just put up some the limited tickets. We put up. Mm-hmm. It's not a huge theater, but we have not announced the lineup yet. I'm not announcing the lineup right now. Mm-hmm. You know what the lineup is. Yes. Exciting. Once people hear the lineup, mm-hmm. they will be rushing to buy the tickets. Yes. So I would say if you're hearing this now, if you are those, if you're amongst those people who, uh, I love these people, there, there's a certain crowd that listens to our podcast as soon as it goes up. Mm-hmm. Podcasts like normally people listen to it over the next few days. Yeah, yeah. Some people are a little behind, so maybe they're listening to the episode from three weeks ago right now, whatever. There's a there's a crowd that as soon as we see it in the in the analytics, as soon as we put the podcast up, they're listening. Mm-hmm. Those people, right now, if you're in the GTA or want to fly here or <laughs> walk here, drive here, careful of the crocodiles. <laughs> you should get tickets for this right now before we announce the lineup, which we'll do beginning of next week. Yes, I think it's just a great opportunity for people to be part of a live podcast because it's it's it doesn't happen that often especially here in our city we're gonna have four guests we're gonna have a round table we're gonna have a performance a live perform two live performances uh and we're going to have a little wine and cheese reception as well so where you can uh see the rook team and see so wednesday february 7th theater aurora our first time doing a rook live first time making it public um, we hope to see you there, right? Yes. You'll be there. Will you be wearing your ski pants? A lot of folks, those who listen to the podcast you know, first up, they're going to be wondering. No, but... Will they see the ski pants? No, I will wear something really interesting, though. Oh, so, okay. Come to see what I wear. <laughs> <laughs> Not the way I thought we were selling the, the show, but uh, also something of interest. Uh, we're coming to you on rookmedia.com. It is there that you can link to all of our platforms and our uh, link for tickets to Rook Live. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, and CastBox. Hey, if you want to see some visuals with Rook, switch over to YouTube right now. Um, And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in English and in Persian, check us out on Telegram. Uh, Also, you can press the support us button at rookmedia.com to become a Rook member on Patreon. I I was, uh, and support us that way. I was I was gonna say you know mm-hmm. uh, talking about speaking of YouTube we put up we put up video clips on YouTube Shorts a few of them and on Instagram and Telegram but uh, a few clips from last week uh, had some virality speaking no of going way. viral wow. yes um, we had Arash Sobhani here mm-hmm. and there's particularly a clip about talking about um, um, how we in Iranian culture and Persian culture are not always telling the truth to each other. Mm-hmm. And that really touched a nerve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It got a lot of, a lot of attention. It got a lot of comments, uh, and I think we need to follow that up at some point. Do some kind of episode or roundtable just on that. I totally. Agree. Because it really, some of the comments were really, 
really interesting, some profound, some um, some disagreed with what Arash and I had to say, which was also good, you know, uh, in terms of a discussion. But that notion of not being able to trust each other as Iranians, that notion of this culturally embedded practice of lying to each other yeah. on all kinds of levels um, and how that affects our ability to unify mm -hmm. uh, and create change for Iran from outside of Iran or whatever, help in any way, it, you know, really, really kind of uh, touched a nerve. Yeah. If you want to see those, you can go to Rook Media. That's our YouTube panel, uh, Rook Media, youtube.com slash Rook Media. Or go to our website and link to any of our platforms yes. but uh, or our Instagram, etc. Thank you, Raha. Thank you, Gian. See you uh, soon at the end of this show. <laughs> and also uh, and also next week and also February seventh. Where? February Theater 7th. Aurora. Theater Aurora. You know what the you know what's crazy to me is we're doing this rook show in Aurora. Mm -hmm. When I was a teenager, I hated Aurora. Why? Did you live there? No. No, we moved to Canada. <laughs> we moved to Canada, and uh, we lived in Thornhill. Oh, nice! Okay. But uh, I went to Aurora twice mm -hmm. to take my driver's license to I get to get my driver's like license. A desert, and it, it kind of was. There was just a place to get your driver's license, yeah. and I lost, and I didn't get it twice. Oh, that's why I failed twice mm -hmm. in Aurora. Well, you have your license. I think now. I got it the third time. You have your license now, so get over it, Gian. I am over it. I'm excited <laughs> about the Theater Aurora. Also, That's Aurora good. was very uh, mono, not diverse at that point. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, I was like a little punkish Persian uh, suburban kid with orange hair. Orange hair? Yes. I remember one of the times, and there's a very tragic story, which I won't get into, but I wrote about it in my book. The first time I lost my license, I've lost, uh -huh. I've failed my license. I was up there because I was like a alternative, you know, punk. I mm -hmm. fancied myself, new wave, all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess I was 16 and I went up there with pointy black boots and very tightly tapered black pants oh. and spiky orange hair. Not something the local uh, um, rockers really appreciated, yeah, <laughs> which they let me know about in a very kind of uh, tragic ways. But and I lost my and I and I and I failed my license, yeah. Well, still, you're so, gonna have a great success in Theater Aurora. <laughs> theater Aurora. <laughs> so, I, I feel like that's all gonna wash. I hope, all I of hope that this away. really changes my <laughs> experiences in Aurora. No, since then, Aurora's changed a lot. I've changed a lot. It's yeah. a wonderful place, you know. Let's uh, do something. It's though. so weird to go to Aurora and see like a Persian nail salon. Why? Why? Well, why? Because I'm telling you, I grew, when I was growing up here, it would it, it just wasn't a yeah. people the OG Iranians who came here, you know, before the revolution or, or you know slightly after the revolution, seventies, eighties, nineties. They they know that the Greater Toronto Area, that is now the epicenter of all things Iranian mm -hmm. in, in, the, in the diaspora, it was tumbleweeds, as you say, when it comes to finding Iranians here. Yeah. There just wasn't. There wasn't much of a community. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until really the early 2000s, I would cite 2003, mm -hmm. when the BAM earthquake happened. Remember right. the earthquake yeah, in BAM, yeah, totally. Iran? We had a big show here, a fundraiser, which uh, 
Um, so this is 21 years ago now. I was My, in Iran back then. You were still in mm-hmm. Iran. Myself mm-hmm. and Nazanin Nafshin Jam hosted it. And uh, Baba Kavini was one of the people playing at it, actually. And, and, and it was the first time the sort of community crystallized like congeal like came together in one uh, place we were all in a theater together you and know how many were you like a hundred no that was a pretty big <laughs> uh, uh, no it was uh <laughs> we had to laugh at like a fundraiser for the people of bam no i'm sorry <laughs> this is, the, uh, laugh the, is res- that, like... the lack of respect for the uh that's fundraisers not, no. no i know you're making me look really bad no that's I, not I, true, I don't guys. mean to do that no. no it was actually a it was it was i can't remember i think it was at what's now the meridian Meridian? I think now like yeah, the, yeah, now the, it's called the North York yeah, Center the for the, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. So it's pretty, you know, there was like a few hundred there. people. Yeah. Um, but that was the first time. So it's not that long ago, really, you know, where the Iranian community really came together. Before that, like when I was Sounds. at York, there was an Iranian Students Association. It was like 20 people. It wasn't, mm-hmm. a, you know, it just wasn't a lot. Wait Your eyes are glazing Wait. over. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like, when's grandpa going to finish the stories? Uh, um, all right. Thank you. Raha. I want to dare you to something though. Mm-hmm. How about this Ski time pants? when you're no theater mm-hmm. Aurora? Yes. How about you do the same look that you did back then? <laughs> Orange hair, spiky. <laughs> I, I, it's not. <laughs> it's basically still the way I dress. <laughs> so then, so no, it's not that much of a come, stretch. Come to the show to, to see spike what Gian wears. Yeah. Come to the show to see uh, what he wears. Thank you, Raha Jun. <laughs> Let's get to our first guest. He's waiting there in California. My first guest today is an Iranian-American rising social media star, Puya Hashemi, is a dynamic guy based in Newport Beach, California, who blends creativity and entrepreneurship in all that he does, it seems. As a digital content creator and a stand-up comedian, Puya has carved out an increasingly powerful niche for himself with millions of views on Instagram. You've you've likely seen some of his very well-produced clips based on a funny idea or a slice of life that he exploits for comedic effect. But Puya is also... Uh, overachiever Persian alert, a successful business person. He's a graduate in business marketing from California State University, Fullerton, and the founder of Spin Touch Inc., a company that specializes in interactive advertising services. He's also the founder of the SIP Awards, a unique spirits competition that gives smaller brands a spotlight. It was actually by chance that Puya's journey took a turn when he gained public attention for sharing funny videos on TikTok and Instagram during the COVID pandemic. You can find Puya on Instagram at Hey Puya. But first, right now, Puya Hashimi joins me from Orange County, California today. Hello, sir. Thank you. Thank you. That was a great intro. I love it. You're welcome to use it. You can plagiarize it. You can actually play it back at your events. I think I need to. Yeah, that's one of the better ones. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you on the show. You know, I first encountered you. I, I told you this in a phone call that we had that a friend of mine shared a video of yours a few months ago. It was the first time I'd seen you, or maybe it was a year ago or something. And I want to actually describe it to people. Um, in, I think most people listening probably have seen a video of yours, even if they don't know it. Uh, they'll be get, oh, that guy, you know. But But this one in particular was you were sending up the idea of going to a Persian restaurant for takeout food. And you're in this video, you play the guy from the restaurant who is packing the bag. <laughs> and it's a plastic bag. And the guy packing the bag, you play by you, 
closes it and then retightens it and retightens it and retightens it like over and over again. Um, and it, and it rang so true from my experience going to Persian restaurants and takeout, like you get the thing home and you have to fucking figure out how to open the thing, you know? And I thought it was genius. I mean, it, it's got a, a, a millions of views or whatever it has, but, but if it, it, it occurred to me, how do you even get an, like, you know, it's a one idea, but it's such a brilliant idea that clearly resonated with a lot of people. Let's start by you telling me how you came up with that one. Yeah, the, like like most ideas, I mean, I'm I'm kind of just going through my feed, and my feed is obviously the algorithm kind of brings you uh, content that you like, and my feed is just filled with clips like that, where it's just you know really short, funny uh, videos of different creators, and uh, I'll I'll find a, a video that kind of resembles that. Uh, it may have not been exactly that, but I'll, I'll kind of take my own twist to it. Uh, I think the one I, I saw was from another creator that was doing it more for uh, Chinese restaurants. Um, and I, I figured, you know, Persian restaurants are very similar. And, and I just ordered takeout. And similarly, you know, they double bag it, they tighten it, and then they, there's a fine bag inside. It's like they're uh, they're protecting you from the radiation inside or something. Um, I don't even know then, why uh, they. I don't even know why they do that. I mean, it's and and as you do it in the video, it's they're really aggressive about it too. It's like I got to oh, tighten yeah. this thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I, 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 what's great is when you do a video, you don't always have the answers to different things, but the comments will kind of answer your uh, your questions. So there was a lot of things that uh, it was it was to keep the kebab smell. Um, the kebab smell inside or uh, the, uh, you know, the soups from spilling or all these different things. And uh, but yeah, that, that was one of the videos that are very simple, um, fairly simple to create. It still took a little bit of time, but um, it's surprising. Some of the sometimes the simplest videos uh, do do the best, whereas other ones that I've spent hours and hours and weeks editing um don't do as well but i'm i'm proud of them um but it's just it's just you never know you never know what will resonate with people what people will share um but yeah yeah it's just well uh, I'm, I'm, of- i, I want to come to what resonates and what doesn't and, and what your process is but it was it's interesting you know having seen that that being my introduction to you i would just assume in that moment this guy's a a comedian who's been doing this for years. Uh, it was a shock to me that you actually haven't been making videos like this for years. You only started during COVID. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, I, I was, I was not doing these kind of videos. Uh, I was doing what most people would do on Instagram was just putting up fancy pictures in front of fancy buildings or whatnot. Um, and, and I wanted to do kind of videos like this, but I was a little bit more reserved because I had uh, two companies and I was working with a lot of, you know, medium to larger companies, some Fortune 500 companies, some government contracts. And I felt like, yeah, since I was the face of the company, I didn't want to put that kind of image out there. I might, it might affect something or at the very least, it might impact my relationship with my employees, my contractors, my vendors. Uh, they might not take me seriously. Uh, and then when COVID hit, it was 
our business was completely halted. Both businesses kind of relied on one was really uh, event based, uh, and the other one was yeah a trade show. So both both were kind of really for the for the first couple months, it was completely shut down. Nobody was doing anything. I I had all the free time in the world, and I realized you know I'm gonna probably lose my businesses. The world is coming to an end might as well do this bucket list thing of making stupid videos and silly funny videos that i enjoy making and seeing where it goes and uh luckily the world didn't end <laughs> uh, my businesses didn't fail and the videos kind of started to take off and i enjoyed it and it didn't really impact it didn't have the impact that i thought it was going to have in terms of the negative uh impact with my with you know my customers didn't really see it i mean they're not looking that deep into someone uh and then my employees kind of liked it it was it was they, they thought it was funny they enjoyed it they were they were laughing about them um they shared it with other family and friends and they they were kind of big fans on their own uh but you you really you always i i think people in general always talk themselves out of things that they want to do uh because of the negative feelings that they might receive from people um, but at the end or, of the day, or, or from internet trolls. I mean, it's always scary putting yourself out there on the internet in general. True, right? yeah. true. And I wasn't necessarily, I was more worried about my inner circle than, uh, initially because uh, you really don't, I guess you don't face the internet trolls until you really face them. Um, <laughs> you really don't know, maybe, maybe now it's, it's kind of common, but yeah, I, I get that, get that a lot. And that's a whole nother subject, but it was it was uh just like anything you know i i think everyone uh that's one of the fears you have what will people think if i do this um but most don't most are more worried about their own life um than to kind of part put part that, yeah part of what must be interesting for you is you're not I mean, I say this with respect because you're not old either, but you're not super young i mean you're not like a teenage tiktok influencer and you know, this isn't what you've been doing. You know, we've had, for, for example, someone like uh, Peter Bonifaz. I'm sure you know he's out there in California. He's a very funny guy who makes Persian videos. and and But he's a comedian. He's an actor. He's been doing this for years, you know. Um, so it's not as much of a surprise for him. Is it odd for you that people know you for this now? Uh, yeah, now it's not so much. Maybe, maybe a year ago. Yeah, it was a little... It was... I mean, I, I kind of have a few different uh, reasons why why someone would know me, whether it's the business, whether it's this. Um, so it, now it's becoming more of this, like strangers will just uh, out of the blue kind of first stare at me for a, a weird minute. I think, do, do I own, owe this guy money or something? <laughs> or is, is, why, why is this beautiful woman like uh, looking at me like that? Like. Yeah that's not normal what's going on and then they're like oh hey um are you are you on instagram I'm like yeah i'm on instagram and then they go through the thing and i'm like oh we're a big fan we share this and it's like oh yeah i, I do do that and i do have uh, a lot of followers I, I completely sometimes you know it's, it's hard to un realize that like i was flying uh in the airport and this persian woman was like looking at me from a distance 
And then she came up and she was all excited, but it's for good reasons, right? And then that inspires me to, and as soon as I get that, that's just really inspiring to do more videos because they're telling me how it's impacted their life and, uh, or they're, 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 I'm one of their favorite creators or, um, I mean, I get really crazy stories on my DM, but when I, when I get that, it's like, oh, I gotta make it right there at that airport. I remember, um, cause I had a long wait for the flight. I sat there and make, made a, a funny video right there because I was like, it was just so much dopamine, so much excitement. Who, like, who wow, knew, I, I, who I knew just, that beautiful, who knew that beautiful people coming up to you, telling you they love you would inspire you to want to do more. I mean, it's a shock really. Uh, <laughs> uh, by the way, when you talk about being at the airport, there's there are a disproportionate number of videos that you make that have to do with being on or um, experiencing something to do with a plane. Are you what are you, are you some kind of a frequent flyer? Is that <laughs> why are you so obsessed with plane? I mean, it's great. It's because we it, they're usually circumstances again that we can all relate to the headrest <laughs> or somebody in first class having sex or whatever it is. But but it, it, you seem quite you know, interested in the, the culture of the, of the plane, the being inside a plane. Well, yeah, a couple of reasons. Um, I, it's hard for me to sleep on a plane. Uh, and two, uh, it's, yeah, I have a lot of weird experiences on planes and I, um, I feel like doing it on a plane too gets me out of my bubble of doing things at home. Um, for these videos, it's a lot more intimidating to do something on a plane because you see this, you know, middle-aged guy, I guess I'm middle-aged, uh, with his phone and, and just like doing weird shit. You don't even know what he's doing. And you don't um, clear it. You don't clear it with the people around you first. Hey, listen, I'm a, I'm an influencer. No, I'm making I should. A um, I don't. Um, a, a couple times I saw some really interesting, I, I see it after the fact. I saw some really interesting reactions or like, people looking at the camera because I've got, yeah, I don't see the camera all the time. Um, and then I'll see their like eyes just like, they're just so what the hell is that guy doing? Um, and that's something I would do if I saw someone doing that on a plane, I would make fun of them. Right. Um, but who cares? Right. Uh, it's, it's hard at first. And then once you get over that bump, that, that hump, I feel like you get, you get a little bit more confidence to do it more and more out in the open and, whatever life is short and um as long as you're doing it for good reasons i i, I said i was going to ask you about some of the process stuff later but while we're here talking about being on the plane i mean are you coming up with an idea in the moment is it that you're sitting on the plane and you you go oh i gotta do something about these headrests because um, i'm feeling one behind me right now or is it that you go on to the plane with a sense of what you might be recording that day uh both uh, I have a lot of saved videos from like plane fights and different things. Every time I'm like on my feed and I see a video, I'll, I'll organize it and I'll save it and I'll categorize like plane. I have a special section just for, uh, plane, uh, videos, like anything that is weird on a plane, um, I'll save it. And then I just have to kind of come up with a funny reaction to it so I can showcase that. Uh, but yeah, it's either, it's either another creator that's done something similar or it'll be a video like, like I'm thinking about the next time I'm on a flight, I'll probably do 
something about that uh you probably heard it the plane uh the the window that just blew out yeah, um, yeah. on an alaska flight yeah yeah the boeing yeah and, yeah and someone got footage of that um so something like that i don't know if i could do that on a plane because I, my idea would be like to have a blow dryer like <laughs> messing up my hair and like losing stuff right um uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's both. Um, but I obviously you have to kind of prepare a little bit because you don't have Wi-Fi. Or I do a lot of the editing on a plane too. Um, just somewhere where I'm not being distracted and I can spend a few hours making <laughs> making or editing videos. Yeah, you've said that you were a, another interesting thing to learn about you, having watched you and thinking, well, this guy's very. He's handsome. He's confident. He's got charisma. You you said that you were quite shy about being on camera before these last few years and making these videos. Were you, were you an outgoing kid when you were growing up in Iran? Well, in Iran, I, I was only like uh, I think five or six when I came to uh, America, uh, so I don't remember much of it other than like the 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 start of the the U.S. Iraq War, um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, I would imagine I was pretty shy. I, from, from kind of the videos that I've seen from my parents, I wasn't very talk. I was talkative with them, but not with strangers. Um, yeah. And then, and then in, uh, middle school, I was pretty shy, junior high, pretty shy. And then in high school, I really wanted to kind of, uh, I, I guess I was tired of it because in high school, as you know, everyone has their cliques and they have their groups of people that they relate with. Um, the Persians with their BMWs, I didn't, and they were like wearing Armani. Um, and you weren't part really, of that group? You weren't part of that? I was not. Yeah. Um, I didn't really fit into that group um, with a bunch of cologne on. Uh, so that was, yeah, it was just like, uh, what, Clueless. It was exactly like Clueless right, in right. my high school. Right. Um, and then, you know, the cool kids with football and the hot cheerleaders. I wasn't in that group either. So I was with like people that would accept everyone, like the chess people, the chess club or the, right. I was in cross country for a little bit. Running? Um, cross country running? Because, you mean? Yeah. Cause I wasn't good in sports. Uh, I, every sport has a tryout, right? Like basketball, baseball. And I didn't make the cuts and cross country was really the one that you could, you didn't have to, you just, you just had to sign up and you're in. Right. Um, and I realized I'm not very fast. I, I ran like a seven and a half minute mile and I was always last. It was hor like, it was just horrible. Um, so I, I was just with them because that was the last group. <laughs> um, and then I decided, okay, I need to, I need to like branch off. I need to like, I need friends. Um, and then at that moment, I, I, uh, David Blaine was really big. Oh, he was yeah. doing magic on, um, on ABC and I was watching his videos and trying to replicate his magic and read some magic books and for a few months, just doing it in the, in the mirror, just with my sister and, uh, trying to practice over and over. And then one day I got the confidence to start doing it, uh, doing some magic for people in, uh, in lunch and i was uh yeah everything kind of changed from there what was um, everyone uh, uh, sorry so two steps back i want to come to the magic yeah. but so when you're a kid uh, either a little kid in iran or when you guys first come to to america it sounds like like your family and friends 
wouldn't expect uh, like wouldn't they wouldn't all be going oh Puya this this guy's the class clown he's going to be oh, for sure he's going to be the, making funny videos 40 20 years from now and and entertaining the world they wouldn't have anticipated that not at all uh they were hoping yeah maybe a doctor or a lawyer typical right. um right yeah. right yeah. and then the <laughs> magic and the, so the magic is your kind of entree into be performing um and and what, what I, I don't even know I mean, to suspend disbelief, I like to think that magicians obviously have some particular sixth sense or something like that. But I mean, if you decide you want to do magic, what do you just decide to start learning tricks? Is that what, like, what was the first magic trick you learned? Well, it was, it was, uh, it was a few card tricks and then it's, it's, it's a matter of just like any art form you just have to kind of be dedicated to it and and practice 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 and then have the confidence to perform it just like anything singing or uh, dancing or anything uh it's it's the special skill kind of starts to develop as long as you have the passion for it and the interest for it um and i got more and more interested as i performed um and i became like i was well known and th at that moment i think it was like sophomore year i was like really well known for my magic even even uh seniors would come up to me and like oh you got to do a magic trick you know, oh you do know, you do you remember day. what the first do you remember the first time you did something that kids or other people that you want to impress were freaked out by were like wow this is i like do yeah okay. and it was like a monumental point it was like um because i i didn't I, it was very hard for the, like the building up the confidence to do it out in the open. Um, and I was with a few friends, dorky, like, uh, you know, chess club kind of friends. And we were sitting around and then I saw a group of like, uh, I think they were like cheerleaders. Um, and I'm like, and I was like all prepared. I've been prepared for like months, but I, I just didn't have the balls to do it. And I'm like, okay, watch this. I'm going to go talk to them. And they're like, what? And I walked up to them and I and I asked them, uh, pick a card in your mind. And then they pick a card. I don't remember, just a random card. And then I took out my deck and the only card that was a different color was that one card. And that's all I did. Wow. And then I put the deck away and then I just walked away from them because I, I didn't have anything else. I, I didn't even know if they were impressed or to me, it wasn't even that impressive because I knew how the trick worked and I just walked away and then they just ran after me and they were like, how did you do that? Oh my God, that's amazing. And wow. then they were like, yeah, it was, it was that moment was like, holy shit. The cheerleaders came running after you. Wow. Yes. Not even a metaphor, an actual situation. Well, look at yes. you. And then, uh, yeah, that was the moment I'm like, okay, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to start practicing more magic. I'm going to, yeah. And then they invited me to sit with their boyfriends, <laughs> uh, do magic for them. Then I got them interested. Yeah. Everybody was, I like, gotta say okay, too, gotta it's say like, uh, I mean, thinking about it, even it's always hard to, uh, I don't care what anybody says. It's hard to approach someone, especially in high school or something. You think somebody's cute to go up and talk to some pretty person or, you know, an attractive person that you're attracted to, whatever. Uh, magic's a good one. Magic's a great way to break the ice, right? Because no one, no one isn't interested in a card trick. There's nobody you could go up to, I would imagine, and say, pick a card that they would go, ah, get away from me, you creep, or whatever. It's a great way to in introduce yourself to someone because they want to see where the trick's going, no? 
True. Uh, I would say, you know, the amount of people I've done magic for, it's not no one. I would say one out of like 20 people dislikes magic. And that's, that's amazing. Dislikes magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what? And they'll, they'll be like, they, either they think it's like black magic hmm. or more likely they, uh, they think you're fucking with them. Hmm. Uh, they think that it's like a scam. Uh, that there, there are those people, but it's very rare. It's like one out of 20. I'll take those odds. It's right. more rare than any other. Yeah. It's, it's great. And when you, whatever you don't, okay. You're not going to enjoy this. So, okay. so was being a, a magician as a career ever an option or was that, was the Persian DNA just not going to allow that in terms of the <laughs> parental pressure, et cetera? Yeah, I was interested in that. Um, I, I did, I, I, was kind of I, I never performed in front of like a stage and that's kind of where magic i guess will if you really want to take it professionally back then there wasn't social media um as big as it is now and nobody was doing it other than really david blaine was doing it on the street and filming it um everybody else was kind of on stage performing in in vegas so it was a little yeah, I didn't I didn't pursue it as much. And then in college, I kind of stopped for some reason. I don't know if it was like figuring out is like, are are people just interested in me just because of my magic? Do I have more in it to life? Because yeah, everybody would just ask me to do a trick. Um, and I was like, okay, maybe I should just and, and maybe I got busy with other things. Uh, well, college was a lot of a lot of studying, a lot of work, but I don't know. I, I kind of put that away for my college years. Um, I didn't do it as much. And that's probably why I didn't kind of gra graduate to the next level. Do you still do magic now? Do you still do magic now? or are you? Oh, yeah. You do? Now I do it more. Uh, yeah, I, I, I brought it kind of after college. I brought it back with. Yeah, I, I love magic. I'm not doing it in any form to make money from it. It's just, you know, to entertain friends um, family. Uh, and it was like, yeah, when I was growing up, my parents would like push me to do it with in Persian Mahmoudis, right, right. uh, parties. Right. Uh, they were like, Oh, please, please come, come do that magic trick for everybody. Mom. And yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, you always come out with your special talent or dancing. Or right. Right. If it's not it doing Baba Karam, you have to do, you have to do something. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Well, uh, I, that will actually be very handy. The magic trick kid, uh, bring him to the party to Mahmoudi. He slays, yeah, so my he slays at the bad not really against it. They didn't think like I'm gonna give up everything for the magic. They weren't like fully, fully. They they were excited about it. It's it's a it's a talent that, you know, Persian parents are always like looking for that edge for their kid uh, to show off with other Persian parents. I feel um, they're like, oh yeah, he does magic. Look at look at he's he's, he's very skilled. He's yeah. So um, you know. Um... It's interesting because off the top or on the face of it, one doesn't necessarily know where the funny videos and the the business acumen guy fit in. But um, they're both, uh, the intersection seems to be partly about ideas. Like you're an, you're an ideas guy and, and learning a bit about you, doing a little bit of research or, or just hearing a couple of interviews that you've done. Um, it seems like you really are the definition of an entrepreneur, somebody who, I mean, I guess you chose the business path and you went and did that at school, et cetera. But 
you your thing has been to start businesses to have ideas come up with ideas and start businesses and and now you've got this or now but the last few years this this spin touch which seems to be doing quite well what what have you what have you learned about what it is the magic if you will of creating a successful business i think just like anything it's you have to actually do it. Um, everyone I've met, everyone has an idea, um, whether it's a business idea or it's, it's a, it's a hobby that they want to pursue. Um, I mean, everyone has their kind of bucket list or their ideas or their million dollar thing. Uh, but it's very rare for people to actually take the next step, um, and actually do it. Um, whether it's just the first initial steps, um, or it's just excuses that they have. And I've had plenty to, to, to start, but it's, yeah, both of the businesses I started, um, it was, it came from an idea. It's, it's an idea that probably, as I told people, nobody really believed in it, um, as much as I did. And then it was just a matter of going ahead and doing it, doing the work. It's just, just starting the first step um and researching it and then and then investing a little bit of money and throwing it in um but that's that's essentially it because an idea and then what people no normally do is they don't do their idea someone else does it and then they go you know that uber i came up with that like five years before and blah 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 like okay. well and so what if it fails and it might uh but uh and many of my business ventures prior to those two uh, did fail. Uh, but you kind of have to learn from them and then just uh, not take it very hard. It's, it's hard at first, but I always start all of my ideas kind of or, or everything in, in very small fractional amounts. I don't just throw all of my investment into one. Um, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it's not all of my eggs in one basket. You kind of, if you can do it in a, in a phases and see there's, there is, uh, something there, uh, that's, that's what I would recommend, um, to do it in steps, um, and get maybe people involved slowly, get money involved slowly, um, and get your time invested in it slowly, but not put everything in it at once. You have the distinction. I don't know how one learns this i guess somebody told you at some point or you were maybe it was maybe you really you know it, it was news of some kind but you seem to have the distinction of being one of the first people in america who got covid um and then um you you created something called rapid screen tell me about that yeah uh i went to hawaii in uh 2019 um uh right at, uh, in december and then i got really sick, like more sick than I've ever been in my life. Um, and that was before COVID was a thing. I think COVID started being discussed in maybe January, February, but I was really sick. And uh, the entire trip, I was just in my Airbnb by myself and just taking whatever I could. I went to the uh, urgent care. They didn't know what it was. They they didn't even prescribe me much. I couldn't even drink anything without extreme pain. Um, and that took about like three days to recover, which is very unusual. I usually get over something in three days. 
Um, and then uh, fast forward to uh, when they started doing the the, the screening tests uh, for for COVID, where you could actually see if you had the antibodies. Um, that's when I tested positive for that. So I kind of put two and two together that I probably had it in uh, uh, December of 2019. So it was you. Um, it was you that brought it. To- <laughs> It was a trip to, to Hawaii, and I think it came from around there. And maybe I got it from the guy that came from China or something. Right, right. Um, I don't know. But no, I mean, I stayed in my hotel the whole time. Uh, could have been something on an airplane or something. But I documented a lot of it on my story at the time. I don't know if it's still up. Uh, but it was, yeah, at the time, I had no idea what it was. But um and then, yeah, when, when I got back, COVID started to be a big thing. My businesses pretty much shut down my sales guy wasn't doing much uh i was just making videos at that point and i'm like okay i need to do something and uh at that time i i saw an opportunity to uh kind of leverage my technology business to providing these displays that can actually read uh body temperature uh at different locations because one of the challenges was business had to stay closed unless they had a person taking an individual's uh, 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 temperature mm-hmm. as they walked in. And if they if they didn't have that, they couldn't stay open. So a lot of these Fortune 500 companies, a lot of these companies uh, essentially had to hire staff and that was very expensive. So we kind of, with a few other companies, we built this device that could read a person's temperature, automated, touchless. As soon as you walked up to it, it's a, it's almost like a an iPad with a, uh, a, a thermal camera on top, mm. and then it reads off a temperature, and you're walking in. And we've developed it even more over the years of being able to recognize a person, employee, uh, being able to take CDC questionnaires. So we've kind of really pivoted our entire company to a COVID product uh, that really took off. Uh, The company did 10X in 2020 uh, in revenue. Uh, We were Fortune uh, or um, Inc. 5000 list, uh, number 515. Wow. uh, In the fastest growing companies that are private in America. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I, I, as soon as I when I read about that, I thought, wow, the guy who, the rapid screen. I mean, that's a, it's it's. I don't want to say you're exploiting a situation, but you know, because it's necessary. Somebody needs to invent these things. But, but you see a you see a need, you see a moment, and you, you jump on it. And yet, you're right about what you said earlier. There's there's probably you know, 500 people, maybe some people listening to this right now who are like, I had that idea, but I never actually executed it, right? Yeah, initially, initially, when I saw a, a, one of a similar product being sold online, um, and it was a lot of this kind of product was available in Asia, because they kind of battle a lot of different illnesses every once in a while. Uh, but when I saw that, I thought it was a little gimmicky. I thought it was it wasn't gonna really be taken seriously initially and then i i and i was like you know it's it's worth a shot to see if it will work here um so initially i just did like i said you want to start out 
very small just to test out something. It's worth the test. So I built a website and, and I, we had to move really fast because obviously COVID just kind of hit. Um, we built a website in less than a week um, and then we right. put some ad dollars in it and just did pre-orders because we didn't have the product. Wow. Just did pre-orders. Wow. And usually we get uh, we get maybe two serious calls a week for digital signage products. Um, when COVID hit, we went to zero. But for this product, it went to 75 calls a day. Wow. And these were these were calls from like PGA, NFL, um, uh, Boeing, uh, <laughs> NASA. Uh, they were and they were calling and they were they weren't asking about price. They weren't asking about they were they weren't asking about what it did. They were just uh, do you have it? When can we get it? How how many can we get? And and at that moment, the first day, I was like, okay, this is a this is a product that will work. Then I then I threw in a lot of money and uh, started. Well, wait, well, wait a second. If the premise of the if the pretext of the whole interview is that during COVID your business is slowed down, so you start making funny videos, it sounds like Rapid Screen was going in nuts for you, and you were making all this money. Why why the funny videos then? Well, I was, and then at that moment, I mean, I had to work around the clock. I was working like literally 14 hours a day, six or seven days a week. And it was exhausting. It was, and, and you're sitting at home working behind a computer. You're not meeting with your team. Everyone's virtual. I quadrupled our, our sales force, our, our people, everybody's uh, digital. I mean, I'm, on call all the time because we're bringing things from overseas. It's just crazy hours. And you start to kind of hallucinate or go crazy after that. You're not connected with anything in any reality. You're just working 14 hours a day. You're not seeing a human right. ever. Once once a week, I would see my family. You you, you remember the times you would sure. like, you couldn't even yeah. go to a restaurant. Yeah. Um, so the funny videos were almost like an escape um, we're able, we're, I, I didn't, luckily I didn't get into like video games or anything. I'm sure a lot of people got into that or watching Netflix and just, uh, binging on that, but it was, it was more like an escape out of that. Um, it was a creative outlet because that was so automated. And so, uh, every day was the same day of putting out fires of why the shipment was delayed. And it was very stressful. So the funny videos were like, a way to kind of cheer me up. Too. Is 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 Rapid Screen still a thing? Are people using it still? Uh, there there are, um, and it's more for uh, I would say in senior home living spaces, uh, places that are more uh, they kind of need that uh, that technology. Uh, we don't sell it as much anymore. Uh, there might be an opportunity where we can position that for another type of. Uh, type of product or solution, but not not what it used to be. 2020 right. was big. 2021 was still pretty big. 2022, it started to right, really slow right, down. Right. I guess right after the mandates came down from uh, the airports. Right, right. And so, so with these funny videos, like what, what was the first one, what was the first moment where something is really catching on where you go, shit, this is, this is a thing I'm becoming, I, I, I can do this and get, um, I, I mean, I'll get to the Amber Heard one. I don't know if it's that, but, but what was the first one where you got so much attention that you realized I can actually do something that's going to catch on here? Yeah. 
I would say, I mean, I was making a lot of videos and none of them were, few of them, none, nothing was really, really becoming ultra viral until, like you said, the Amber Heard video. Um, I did one video of that, which was the kissing one. I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah. That was the, yeah. the one before the big one. Um, and that one took off. That one got about 15 million views. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then I, I, I did that one. And then someone in the comments said, uh, you know, you're the dealer, you're her dealer. Um, you're providing that. And I'm like, oh, wait, right. there might be something there. And then uh, I did that and, and that, yeah, I did that one. That one just. I should explain. I mean, I, I, people will, will as we talk about it, will probably remember seeing this, or if not, we'll, we'll want to find it. But sure. um, right during the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, of course, there's those famous shots of her in the in the seat there next to the judge, and and Johnny Depp uh, is watching. And 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 with a camera on her, there's a moment. I mean, there had been a lot of speculation about, uh, I guess, from Amber Heard detractors, or maybe that she was. Doing doing cocaine or jokes about it that she was doing coke and and so you make a video of you next to this big tv screen passing her <laughs> something uh you know i mean her medicine. You pass it, but her medicine through the screen uh and and again it's just this little idea it's i mean i have to commend you for just this tiny little idea where you see the opportunity where she's got a handkerchief or something on the tv screen that you can be pretending to pass this to her um, and then what is it like 90 million views or something this thing has gotten right um, yeah about 84 million and it was just every day was just at the, at the time it, it was over a course of about a month and a half it was unreal there was uh, there was one day I remember I had 16 million visits on just my Instagram <laughs> um, and that's that's unreal that's crazy but, but uh, so think. so for that one though I mean we, we talked about trolls earlier Surely there are people who supported Amber Heard who didn't like that video or you know, thought that you were poking fun. You must have then started to feel some some of the haters as well, right? On um, a little bit there. It was it, yeah, 99.9% was on the other side was 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 laughing about it, was on Johnny Depp's and really talking some really nasty things about Amber Heard. And then there were, yeah, there were others. Uh, there was a handful of people that were uh, her supporters and thought that was like a swipe at her being a liar or whatever they, they or or me agreeing with the comments. And it's just like, and, and, and yeah, some of the comments, some of the messages I would get, but it was, I mean, I can, I, I don't take that personally. I, some of the other videos I get people, you know, making fun of me, whatever, it happens. It's like, and it's usually 99% of the time or more, it's people with private accounts, um, with no posts. Right. Uh, and right. it's it's those people that have the most aggression and discomfort with others making it, making something out of themselves. Maybe it's, it's something, it says more about them than it definitely says about me yeah. when they're holding yeah. so much private in their life um that they're that they're like vicious and they're these keyboard warriors online you didn't even uh you didn't ever hear from uh 
well, I'm guessing you didn't hear from Amber Heard, but did you ever hear like the, that whether Johnny Depp saw that or or if any? I mean, because I'm that's a real viral video. I'm sure they million. did. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, like for example, uh, what was it? Uh, Trump Jr. shared it on his uh, Instagram. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sure Trump would have shared it too, but at the time his uh, Instagram was uh, blocked. <laughs> right, right. And his right. Twitter was blocked. Right, right. Uh, so, well, the so, distinction yeah, was, of was, the distinction of being shared by John, uh, Don Jr. That's uh, I mean, you can put that in your trophy cabinet. Oh yeah, and, yeah. He, and and I got a lot of Republican fans there, and uh, it was it was just everybody was sharing. It was just really interesting the 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 verified accounts that were now noticing me. I got about one hundred twenty thousand followers every day. I would get like another five to ten thousand followers. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then uh, when you when you mentioned if they heard about it, one of my friends is uh, friends with uh, the lawyer uh, Vasquez. Mm -hmm. I think her name yeah, is. Yeah. Um, she uh, she shared it in a group chat with her, mm. and uh, so she saw it. I don't know if she <laughs> shared it with Johnny, but I'm I'm sure most of their team, because you know when you're in in that space, whatever space you're in. You have friends sending you stuff that they think is funny that related to you, right? Um, it, I'm you, pretty I mean, confident. Is there any, you seem so so sort of sanguine or cool, calm about this. I mean, is there any part of you that was freaking out that was like, oh my God, this is, you know, am I going to be in trouble somehow or what? what's happening here? Like uh, there's millions of views. I mean, was there any part of you that was like not cool about this? I'm very optimistic about everything, but I was actually a little disappointed because um, I wasn't getting the attention of like other uh, like like the media, like the real media. Because And then I realized what it was like. I would I would I, I try to take that opportunity and like leverage it into maybe some sort of PR or something to, to gain a little bit more. But I realized uh, because it had to do with uh the subject matter of you know allergy medicine <laughs> in quotes uh right. yeah most of those outlets yeah. didn't want to touch it because it was pretty groundbreaking I, at that moment i was the 15th most watched instagram reel of all time wow at that moment i looked it up and i was i was ranked on there uh but yeah nobody i mean usually you get some sort of article written about you or something <laughs> Um, especially when you come out yeah. with very little followers to that level. Um, I was getting more uh, views than like a lot of celebrities on there, but even uh, um, ESPN, uh, their their max was like 20 million at the time. Um, and you're so right. It's, it's, like, a, it's a funny thing that doesn't necessarily suggest you're – editorializing about the case about or anything like that it's just a funny you know um, thing about yeah, it's, ba a funny moment it's based on a joke that's happening in the internet about somebody you know but um but i could see mainstream media being like uh yeah we don't want to get involved in, in, in that commentary or something um so yeah. one of the things that's interesting uh about you i know i can't keep here forever but but uh I'll just ask you a bit more about these videos before i let you go the sure. um something that i I find, I guess maybe, um, maybe somehow, not just refreshing, but but uh, but comforting, is that uh, is that there's this feeling sometimes that that the online space is really unfair because 
some people just get these viral videos and others don't and 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 part and parcel of that attitude is this notion that you're just throwing things out there and you got lucky right you hit the jackpot you got somehow something happened to the algorithm or somebody shared it and you got which surely that does happen but having had a couple of successful content creators like yourself on the program in the last couple of years influencers whatever you want to call them it also becomes clear that people like you spend a lot of time on this this is not it's not actually that you're just throwing stuff out there a funny little clip that you happen to think of on the in the middle of a flight but but that you're actually laboriously thinking about ideas shooting it as best you can editing it continuing to think about how you want to present it talk to me about that yeah and and it, it does take a lot of time to to make some at least for me i don't know i i think most content creators uh it takes a lot of time depending on what they're doing even though it's a that one was a 21 second video that probably took three days to fully and i I might be a little different. I'm more of a perfectionist. Like I got to get the right song, and I'm glad I picked that song. Uh, it was. Uh, it was. Sorry, the, the Amber Heard one took three days to shoot. Well, no, 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 not to shoot. Shooting took probably two hours because you got to set it up, you got to get the right angles, and then the takes. But even so, uh, for then, for twenty seconds, you took a couple of hours to do that. Oh yeah, because because I'll do it. I'll sit down and look at the tape. Like the first time I did it, I went in and I gave her that, and then I uh, and then I kind of walked away and I'm like, wait, I what if I gave her money? What if I, she gave me money? Okay, how am I going to get the money there? Then I had a it was a few hours for sure because then I had to figure out how to get the money right, and then I would get the money. It just it had to flow like perfectly, and every second couldn't be wasted at all because if I if I fumbled with it. I mean, if you watch the video, it was just like fluid, but that took a few takes. And then I, and I'm like, oh, I need a necklace that, uh, how am I going to give it to her? Uh, give her the the medicine. Um, uh, obviously I'm saying medicine for yes. the viewers. Yes. Thank you for <laughs> uh, being mindful of our <laughs> delicate audience. Yes. Uh, and I had this like uh, necklace that I got from uh, one of my trips. And then I put a, um, a cap on it, um, a chapstick cap, because it had to unscrew really quick. I couldn't fumble with. So all that you gotta, you gotta come up with. I, yeah, I don't have, I don't have the right props uh, handy around. So I had to be kind of uh, creating this stuff. I had to kind of come up with an idea of how to take it from the bag. Yeah, that was my first, first go at it. Yeah, it took, it took a few hours at the very least to. Um, put it together, and then, like I said, I would watch the video. Did, so, did like, you have somebody helping you, or did you just set the camera up? You were that one? Talking. No, no, I put it on a tripod, mm -hmm. and I and and also the lighting and all that stuff has to be kind of. It's it's just my perfection. And then once I got it right, it's like, okay, do I put song on it or not? Not, and I had like three songs, and luckily I shared it with a few friends because I knew it was like, like this is flowing so well. This is a great <laughs> video. I got it now the song I don't want to fuck it up with the song so um yeah everybody liked the uh it was a Scarface song hmm. it was it was a really perfect song for it uh and then yeah and then I posted it and right there so yeah I would say total of two to three days to post that 
But luckily, I mean, a lot of my, some of my videos at the very least take about an hour fully at the very, very least, even a 15 second video, because I, I, I take at least six takes. Um, like imagine on an airplane I'm taking, I have, I'll, I'll show you, got uh, the last trip I was on, I had to take a bunch of, uh, video and I'll show you how ridiculous this is. This is, oh, I got to turn off. How do I turn this? Uh, it's okay. I can sort of see uh, it. Yeah. Let me see if I can, you can see my face yeah, yeah. right there. Um, a bunch, all of this is just me on a plane. Each one of these are like 20 <laughs> seconds. Um, and, and the plane. Yeah. It's just me and I, and I haven't taken them down. So yeah, that one was like 20 takes of me. I, I mean, the person that was sitting next to me was just like, <laughs> this guy's obsessed with himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the editing takes an incredible amount of time. That one, not so much because I just put a video over it. So, so the ha has the inverse been true where you um, put something up and you you later go, you know, if I just spent more time with that, I feel like I, I kind of rushed that one or I just wanted to put up something today and I, I, I put it up and I, I should have actually uh, produced that more, like take more time with it. Has that happened? It has, uh, it, but it's, it's not to the effect of like, it's like regrettable. It's not that big of a thing right. because I wait, I, I'm doing a thing where I'm, I'm editing, I'm, I'm looking over it and I look over it a couple times before I post. Cause I don't, I, I hate that because you can't re-edit it. You can't re redo it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just me being a perfectionist. And I don't, I don't think that's the best thing because I'm not able to put out some of the creators I'm friends with. They're putting out two to three videos a day. And I'm like, there's no way I could do that with my the way I'm perf performing these or editing these. Um, I wish I could. Well, this isn't even uh, your this isn't even your job, right? You're not. No, I'm not making any. Money you're not making money it. doing this, which amazed me because I I thought having watched your videos, then I got okay. Well, this is what this guy's doing, you know. But the other problem it, it occurs to me with getting 84 million views of a video, which is literally more than almost any television show ever right i mean this is like that's it's it, it, these are huge numbers this is like you'd have to it has to be the super bowl or something to do big and the problem with that is you're you know it's a good bet that most of your videos from now on are not going to reach 84 million views so so you're now in this paradigm where if you're if your video gets you know 200,000 views which would be amazing for a normal person. For you, it must feel like some kind of letdown. Like, oh, I, I'm not, I'm not hitting it out of the park anymore, uh, right? I mean, two hundred thousand is great. I, I kind of measure my success, I guess, based on uh, the number of shares I get more than anything. That tells me a lot, uh, because even if the algorithm is not performing well, which I can't uh, control, the shares tell me if it resonated with people enough for mm. them to kind of. Uh, share it with their friends and family and that tells me more uh but yeah i, I don't ex i don't expect every hit video to be a hit like the one i don't know if you saw the video me clapping for uh a clapping noise on an airplane that i was hearing that did 70 million um randomly oh, and that, I, that was 
very few edits. Uh, that was a very some. Sometimes it's the simplest videos. Do you get bummed? Um, do you get bummed out if something doesn't get a lot of likes or doesn't get a lot of views? A little bit, yeah. Like like my, uh, the, the, I still post some videos of magic, um, and those don't do as well at all. <laughs> they 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 probably have the least because I think my followers are following me for the comedy, right? right. Um, and and the magic, yeah, magic is a little harder to wow over because there could be some trickery there or they could be in on it um no matter what the reaction is but i still post them just because it's it's what i like uh i mean it's yeah it, it may or may not hit what have but you yeah, it's a, Poya, what have you i mean i you said earlier in the in our chat that it's it's still a, a guessing game it's hit and miss in terms of you can't you can't there's no exact science to virality in terms of these videos and stuff but what have you most learned about what catches on versus what doesn't in the online space yeah i think uh, a couple of things i've learned i've learned that the like the, the your your performance or your acting has to be kind of genuine um it just has to feel like you're the person watching it just has to, if you can resonate with them in that level mm. if you're not overacting uh you know and, and getting these weird reactions people will not like that kind of i wouldn't like watching someone that's overacting or overreacting it just kind of is a little cringy but the more realistic you are with your performance of what you would really do in a situation like this that resonates really well and that helps people kind of uh relate to it a little bit better and then the other point would be to uh to to have a really great ending something that uh leaves them with a, a good taste um uh, that they want because that's the last thing that they see before they decide whether they want to share it or not mm. um so the the main hook has to be there this, of interest of like what's going on over here is the tv up and this guy walking up to it sounds interesting something's going to happen um it's got a you know that first two seconds because everyone has an attention span of a goldfish now um so you got to grab them not give everything away but just grab their attention and then the ending has to be uh the middle has to be something very genuine something that they want to stay there and watch uh, and then the ending has got to be something unexpected or a little bit better than all the other parts to it so that they go, oh, that was funny. My, my, you know, my grandma will enjoy this or this. And then another point that I've noticed that really helps, and you can't do this with all creators, but if the language barrier is taken out of it, um, I've noticed those videos do much better not regarding like subtitles or anything but if it's just a video of reaction right right that'll like the amber heard was i was getting a lot of attention from turkey from right. all all these different countries um it they didn't even and there's and no script my videos, there's no script in that one it's just, it's just yeah it's some all... of my videos i see and i did a video with my uh nephew where i was like uh acting like i was going to cook a meal over his head and there was no words exchanged and I was getting all these Russian comments um, because again, they don't know, they don't even know if I'm Russian or not, um, but they're, they're just reacting to that moment. Uh, and, and they can share it with their, like I said, grandma that doesn't speak any English. Um, but yeah, if you can do it without any 
uh, if any words like uh, the 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 one creator that really blew up, um, Kabi. I don't know if you've noticed him. Um, he was he he did the his videos are he shows something really overcomplicated and he does it very simply and he goes mm. and he does that. Uh, his videos did insane. Uh, he went from nothing and he started during COVID. Um, but all of his every single one of his videos he doesn't talk. Uh, he doesn't say anything. Um, I I don't think I've ever heard him <laughs> talk. I don't think he's ever done an interview. Interesting. Uh, but that's one of the reasons it's he's he's gotten vitality through he's gotten viral sensation through the entire globe it's not just one geographical area so those are the things that i've noticed really help with especially with instagram and TikTok. so before i let you go i mean i know that you've you're developing an audience in iran um that the place you were born there there i i feel like you're another person that Iranians are going to discover and or have discovered, but are are going to increasingly discover and and want to really claim as as our own as their own. Like uh, you know anything that anything that's good, Iranians want to. <laughs> like, he is ours, you know. Um, of course. Do, tell me about your your how your Persian parents what they make of your newfound uh, online celebrity or or um, uh, notoriety for that matter. Uh, in terms of these videos uh yeah they i mean initially when before i started my businesses my parents just wanted me to focus on school and um you know something that has real credibility in the persian community i i do want to correct you i didn't actually uh uh graduate uh uh cal state fullerton oh uh, i actually left uh yeah i did the you know mark zuckerberg path or uh steve jobs just uh kind of quit halfway um and and that's what made him probably uncomfortable until and i i really didn't know what i wanted to do with my life i kind of did a lot of sales positions but then i started my businesses and those took off and then they became very supportive of everything else and the, the good thing is the, the businesses is what are automated and help me leverage all my creativity. And now I'm doing stand-up comedy, which is a whole nother, uh, a whole nother category of, of comedy that yeah. takes a whole different skill set. Um, it's got its own challenges. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 they're very supportive in terms of uh, my, my, my videos, my stand-up comedy. Uh, my magic, um, because they, they, they already know I, I kind of have the foundation with businesses and now that I've got this outlet and a lot of other family members are, uh, sending them video clips and they're, they're sharing mine. So <laughs> yeah, they're, they can be as supportive as I think they're over, uh, supportive compared to most Persian parents would be. Well, that's, uh, that sounds great, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you that things seem to be going so well and and that you've um developed this interesting diverse portfolio of of um of success uh and your videos are are truly funny uh i i mean they're they're again little some of them are just based on one little idea and and it's real genius to bring that to life thank you for taking the time i hope we can do it in person next time uh, come visit us in canada or we'll see you down there in the states and in the meantime um keep doing what you're doing I love that. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Take care, Puya. Merci. Thank you. Bye-bye.
This is Rook, episode 305. Remember, we've just announced our first Rook Live uh, ever. It's going to be at the Theater Aurora on Wednesday, February 7th. You can get tickets for it or find out more about it at our website, rookmedia.com. Rookmedia.com, R-O-Q-E, obviously, media.com. All right. My next guest today is an Iranian-Canadian comedian and actor known for his accents, his characters, his impressions, stand-up comedy, sketch comedy, podcasts, vlogs, and much more. Niman Nazeri was born in Toronto and discovered his comedic flair at the age of eight, mimicking his mother's order at a Tim Hortons donut shop drive through Growing up with a diverse group of friends, Nima's comedy playfully explores various cultures and communities through a, a variety of accents. If you follow Nima, you know this. Uh, this includes like the Persian accent, Italian, Chinese, British, Indian, much more. And beyond his comedic endeavors, Nima produces daily and weekly content on various social media platforms. And in addition to appearing in commercials, TV series, films, he's become a rising star on TikTok, amassing over a half a million followers. In the last couple of weeks, Nima and his brother, who also manages him, have picked up and relocated to Australia. Right now, Nima Nazari joins me from Melbourne, Australia. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. You, How's it going? <laughs> you found possibly the farthest place on the planet from <laughs> Toronto to go to. You were you got on a plane, yep. you said, take me as far as you can from Toronto. What are you doing in um, Australia? It's a pure career move over here. You know, we uh, we wanted to come here and, um, you know, do a lot of stand-up shows and film some new content. You know, I, it, was, it was time to expand away from Canada. It's been a while. I've been living there my whole life. So I was like, you know what? If not now, then when, right? You gotta do it while you're still young. You know, I love Australia. We got a, a, a lot of people who listen to Rook in Australia, but it does seem like a strange career move. Like, like New York was an hour flight away. You know, yeah. there's LA, there's London. Like you, you've you picked up and gone to Australia. Tell me about that being a career move. Well, originally we were supposed to go down to US, but um, immigration wasn't having it. You know, there's like too many Persians already. So <laughs> let's. Uh, you guys can go somewhere else so yeah we we uh we took it as a sign from the universe or wherever to to just switch it up and, a sign from uh, the a sign from the universe or customs officials yeah 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 we took it as a sign from the uh, fucking kevin from customs yeah um so yeah we we just decided you know what if we're not gonna stay here right and it's not that we don't want to stay in canada or in toronto it's just at some point you got in for comedy especially you you hit a ceiling in in toronto and that's what happened for me and i felt like it was the perfect time to expand my network and go a little bit more global because that's what i want right my, my i want my future to be i want to be traveling the world doing stand-up and you know uh, building an audience everywhere yeah and so i was like yeah if not now, then when am I going to do it? Right. It's like perfect time when I'm single, I have no money, I have no responsibilities. <laughs> and, um, I, all I need to do is just get on stage and do comedy. So, um, yeah, it was a perfect time because we couldn't go to the U S so I was like, well, it's either UK or Australia. And, um, Australia was the easier option for now. And then eventually UK and then back to the U S also, I mean, stand up is one of the things you do, but you've really become well known for the stuff that you put on social media, which really i guess 
you could do from anywhere, right? It mostly features you and it's videos and fun things that you're putting up that you could be doing in China or in 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 Europe somewhere yeah. or in Canada or in Australia. Yeah, Guangzhou, yeah, anywhere, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about Wangzhou. So, so, so you the, literally this move happened a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been exactly one week actually. One week, and yeah. was and was there a eureka moment where you and your brother were just like, "Let's do it. Let's buy the tickets. There's no turning back." Or has this been something you planned for a long time? We didn't plan it at all. Actually, our, our, we've been planning to go to the U.S. for a whole year up until my birthday, which was November thirtieth. That day, we found out we got rejected. Our visas got rejected to go into the U.S. for the third time that year. You're, you're so talking about like, you're talking about work visas, right? I mean, obviously, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. as a Canadian, a you visa. can go to the states. Yeah, as, but yeah. yeah, yeah, like strictly for like work, you know, because I want to do a lot of comedy shows, make money, right? And you know, brand brand work, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, that day we found out that we got rejected again. We're like, well, we can't spend any more money towards this visa because it's really expensive trying to go to the US for a work visa. And literally in that moment, in that within that hour, we decided like, well, we can't stay here. What's our backup plan? And you know, UK and Australia were kind of in the in, in the back of our pockets. And we're like, well, it's one of these two. And then we went home that night. We decided Australia and then the next day applied, got the application visas within one minute of of submitting. Wow. Yeah, it was way cheaper. It's way livable here. It's similar to Canada. You know, it's safe, whatever. The right. weather's nice. And we're like, well, yeah, and, let's just do it. And what's it been like so far? It's been amazing. Honestly, we, we're still settling in. There's a lot to do. Like, you know, a lot of miscellaneous things you don't really realize you have to do until you move somewhere new, especially on the other side of the world. And we're, we're like, the people are driving on the opposite side of the road. So that already throws you off. Why'd you go to Melbourne? Uh, why, why, why not like Sydney or somewhere else? Well, I, uh, we just kind of weighed out the options and we're like, well, Sydney is a little bit more of a um, you know, more touristy area. And, you know, it's it's you know, it's it's fine. But Melbourne, Melbourne is, is more of like the, the hub for entertainment and a lot of comedy happens here. And so uh, and a lot of my comedian friends that I know from here live here as well. So that's why we made the decision to come here. Australia really is a fertile place for comedy, isn't it? Where Australia? Yeah. It, it is it's, it's a huge hub for comedy it's very un, it's very underrated actually no one really knows because it's so far away it's hard to really connect the two together like you don't really see anything about it right but um there's a, there's comedy everywhere in this whole country and like literally they have massive fringe festivals for month-long fringe festivals in every major city which starts next week actually in perth for a month which i'm going to and then right after that's done um, the Adelaide Fringe Festival starts right after that's done. Melbourne Comedy Festival, and then there's you know Sydney and and Brisbane have their own festivals as well. They have Just for Laughs, like they have everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting yeah. when when somebody comes from Australia to Canada, um, yeah. uh, and they have an Australian accent. So, I mean, it, you know, we have a common culture between the two countries, and both speaking yeah. English, etc. But they it does feel like it's somebody from away like we, they, they're sort of an exotic yeah. person are you are you getting that treatment so far in australia i mean are you canadian niman azari or are you iranian niman azari or what is your identity there uh, i'm i'm an aussie i'm an aussie right. <laughs> you're not an aussie yeah that's very i am clear. an aussie i am an aussie <laughs> yeah no i um I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just came as as Nimanaz the the comedian. Like, 
you know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm open to anything. Um, I'm not really trying to do a specific thing. I just want to build my audience more here to get, get more stage time for standup. So to build for my next tour that's coming next but year. But dude, so much of what you've done. I mean, the last time you were on the show, we talked about a lot of your comedy was, has been very Toronto centric. Like, like you, you do characters, you got that one guy who's like a stereotypical Canadian guy and you do yeah. stuff about the different ethnic groups that are in Toronto. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've been like a, a four one, the six, four one, six kind of guy. Yeah. And so, um, is this getting out of your comfort zone somehow to go somewhere else? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I never want to stay in, in one lane, you know, I, 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 like, I know I can expand my, my, my lane and my horizons and, and do more. I just need to be around different environments. Um, you know, it's just, it just makes sense to be in the actual place to, to in order to do the certain like jokes or whatever like that. And like, it, it doesn't hurt to, to, to learn people's cultures in the actual place as well. So, um, that that's why we wanted to originally move to the U S as well, because you know, LA is different from New York and yeah. New York is different from Chicago yeah. and, and everywhere. Right. So, um, my strength is, is being around people and being able, being able to observe their culture and their accents and their mannerisms and, and to be able to imitate life and make jokes about them. There, so, there are a lot yeah. of Persians in Australia. Have you found them yeah, yet? Yeah. In Sydney. There are more in Sydney. They're more in yeah. Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Not as many in Melbourne. Like, I haven't seen... I've only seen, like, two, to be honest, <laughs> this whole time. Right. But, um, if we hear the from them, should we send them to you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send them on a bus. Yeah, I'll, I'll meet them at the station. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the thing is... I, I like being put in a different, you know, in an uncomfortable position to like exp and do new things because that, that's the only way you're going to grow too. Right. Sure. And, and I, I, I hate being complacent and staying in one place and, and doing the same things over and over again. That's how I become stale. And I, I felt like that was what was happening back home. And I was like, well, this time, this, this is the time to take that jump, take that risk in order to become the successful biggest comedian that I want to become. So, so okay, yeah. uh, well, I'm, I want to ask you about that. For, but so, so you haven't found the local kababi yet. You haven't found. <laughs> no, you, have, you haven't found no, the, the place where you're getting the your nunabadbadi in the mornings or something. Yeah, no, I mean, I I would be nice, but to be honest, I don't even eat a lot of Persian food. To be honest, like I, I, I um, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't eat traditional, um, food that per, that Persians eat because one, I, I don't, eat, I stay away from gluten and sugar which is two big things in, in our culture. Mm -hmm. um, and I, yeah, that's why I'm like, people think I am, you know, I'm, obviously I do Persian videos and Persian jokes, but it's like, I'm not a Persian comedian. I don't feel that way. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like I, I happen to be Persian and I, and I bring light and I represent my people, but at the same time I'm Canadian as well. Right. And like, I, I represent everyone. And being Canadian means representing uh, Asians and Indians and black people and white people and Persians. Right list goes on and that's how i feel that that's that's who i am what did your your much beloved uh, mom who has appeared in many of your videos uh what did she have to say about you guys moving uh she she, she was she was sad she was crying you know she was emotional but she also understands she she knows she understands the grind you know that she because she the, her and my dad had to you know come over to canada many years ago um and they, they had to just move countries for a certain reason and you know it's maybe not the same reason but you know they understand why it needs to be done and 
yeah, it's that it's the immigrant mentality, man. Like you gotta fuck, you just gotta figure it out. Yeah, and that's why I feel like my brother and I thrive too, is because we have that drive from within from our parents who who had to go through so much adversity in their lives at our ages now. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah that's why but, it's but, really but but way more yeah. way more dramatically and with a lot more risk than we'll ever we will ever face. I mean, when our parents left, it was. It was a remarkable thing. I mean, I always think about that. I always think about that. How, you know, leaving Iran any time before the internet, you know, meant you were really disconnecting yourself from your, your family and people back there that in a way that you won't feel disconnected now in Australia, there you are talking to me, your mom, whatever, you're gonna be, you're gonna you feel as connected as ever to a certain extent. But did she talk, did, did, did your family try and dissuade you at all? Or, or was it like, okay, go do what you have to do? No, not at all. They just, they just, they're just asking questions about why they're, you know, is there a reason? Why can't you go here? Just to try to understand simply, but they never, they never get in the way of our business moves and our career moves because we know best within our own industry, what to do next. And they're just there to support fully. Like literally they, they help us with, with financial stuff too, still. Um, because you know, making a big move requires a lot more money than usual. But like our goal, my goal has always been to like, you know, really make it big so I can pay them back as much as possible, you know, pay them up, you know, like pay off their mortgage, let, may, retire early, all those things. And like, that's, they nice. understand that as well. And they're like, all right, go get it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's see you do it almost. It's kind of like a challenge. And I'm like, all right, bet. Like, you don't have to twist my arm. I'm going to, I'll show you, I'll show you guys, but obviously in like a fun way. Um, and yeah, so yeah, you know, I'm lucky. One of the things I kind of love about what the, the move to Australia too is is your, um, I mean, not that it's that radical a thing to do, but you're, but you're really committing. You're committing to the bit. You're you're committing to to, you know this this path. You know, like, and that's that's been true for you for a few years. I mean, if half yeah. the battle is knowing what you want, you know what you want. You know you love being a a performer and comedy and. And this kind of underscores that you're not going there because some firm has recruited you and is bringing you there and has an apartment ready for you and giving you a job. Like you're, you're going there to hustle, doing the the thing that you love. That's that's pretty cool. Well, I mean, like at the base of it, that's that's what I love doing. I, and that's the reason why I even dropped out of school to pursue comedy in the first place was because I simply just love it. You know, it makes me happy. It's my passion. It's like nothing's better than that in my opinion because like, mm. i don't have anything else if i don't do this i'm screwed uh so you know it's already tough enough but it's uh, something worth fighting for for me and yeah that 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 in itself is enough of a reason to 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 make these risks and take these big jumps i love that good for you you know it's interesting when you say uh kind of hit a ceiling and in, in toronto want to take it to the next level because from it's always i mean you're in it you're dealing with that every day you're kind of eager and ambitious and you want from the outside i i've only seen what appears to be your your you know your career growing and um one of the things that happened in the last i guess it was over the last year where you were um you were opening for um I guess Russell's become kind of a stand-up legend now, Russell Peters, for a few nights, who I, I think I recall you putting on social media that he was an idol of yours. He was somebody that you really looked up to coming up. How, how was that for you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was amazing. I guess it was after we talked before, but 
yeah, um, that was such a great, huge milestone in my life and my career because like you said, like I, he he was my comedic idol growing up. We, I was when I was a kid, I was watching uh, Just for Laughs on TV with my dad, and he would I saw him on the TV doing these jokes about all these different cultures, and I was like, wow, like this is this is amazing. How is he getting away with this? I wish I could do that one day. And then you know, in a way, he inspired me to pursue comedy. To however many years later, right? And then to the and to to not only do comedy but also you know, a few years after that, get to open for him as well was a dream come true for me, especially in my hometown as well, too. Like, the, nothing beats that. Um, and that's exact. The, if anyone were to ask me why I do comedy, it's for it's for reasons like that. Mm. It's because I I created that out of nothing. I, 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 it was all because of a decision in my head one day to be like, yeah, I'm going to start doing stand-up. I'm going to start doing comedy. And then now I'm opening for my idol. It's like, it's possible, right? It's like, it's I'm, not, I'm not anything special i'm not the most talented guy i'm not the most skilled guy but i work hard and i aspire to do great things and that's all it takes really it's just staying consistent how much when you're opening for uh because i know you've, you've performed with a number of high profile um uh comedians how, how much do you need to cater or do you worry about catering what you're doing at that show to that audience and how much do you do the nima nima nas you know uh, i mean for say with russell peters were you highly self-conscious of what his audience may or may not accept of you i mean yes and no but but to be honest that, that guy he's the perfect guy to you know for me because it's very similar audiences right my his audience is my audience and vice versa in a way i'm just the more modern version i think mm. um because he also does accents and cultural jokes right. and i do the same in different ways uh so yeah obviously i was nervous but in my head i'm like well I, i'm here for a reason they got me here for a reason because they're also fans of mine which is amazing which is insane and so i just gotta go up there and do me be who i am authentically and people will like me for that and and they did and i, I ended up like killing it. It was it was the best ten minutes of stand up I've I think I've ever done. Wow. Yeah. And inside inside a state uh, arena, by the way, Scotiabank Arena, sixteen thousand people. Which yeah. before that, the the most I would have ever done was like five hundred people in a room. Yeah. So I saw you on a bill last year, like it was uh, Moz and Tehran and you. So that's that's going to be a more Persian audience. And yeah. then I guess you have to cater your jokes more to the the Persians to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I guess yeah. To answer the question for Russell as well as like yeah, when I did the Russell show, um, I wasn't doing all like like Persian jokes like which I have, uh, but I mixed it up. Like I did like a Nigerian joke, a, a, um, a, a Filipino joke, a little bit about my mom and my family and myself, and that's it. That was the ten minutes. But then, yeah, for the mosque, I was like, okay, like, these are all, like, mostly Persian people, some Arabs, you know, like, Middle Eastern, mostly. Uh, let me do a little bit more on the Persian and, like, Middle Eastern lifestyle. And and that that also killed. I did a great job there because you also – I don't think you should ever cater to an audience, but you should always be open to adapting to where you are and reading the room. That's what's really important, mainly. T tell me how you become friends – uh, uh, colleagues to a certain extent with um, with the social media star and entrepreneur Gary V. <laughs> Gary V, man, that guy's our my brother and I's internet dad. To be honest, that's what we always say. Um, how honestly, does how does he yeah. feel about that? Is he okay with? 
Yeah, he loves it. I mean, he's a he's the most humble guy, man. Like he's he's so authentic. He's actually who he is on camera in real life. It's 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 an, it's crazy to think because he's the most he's the busiest guy. He's worth so much money. He has so much going on, but he still just remains the same person. And that's why it's inspiring us to be like that as well. It's like if he can do that, we have no excuse of like letting ego get to our heads or whatever bullshit, right? Um, when I, when I, when I met him, when I, he invited me out to do his conference VCon uh, a couple years ago in Minneapolis, um, to, to go on stage as him before he comes on. Yeah. Because you do a character I, that's kind of based on him, right? No, it is him. It is him. It's, a, it's an impression <laughs> of Gary V right. like, like straight on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not hiding anything. It's just Gary V. Um, and, and he loves it, man. He loved it. He's always loved it. And one thing uh, he he actually told me when I met him was um, he was watching my videos two years before actually engaging with my content and like uh. you know like letting me notice that he's he's been watching because and and I asked him why and he's like well I I don't want to engage and like you know um, let you think that like I enjoy your stuff before you 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 start to post more because he wants to see if I'm being if I'm gonna stay consistent and keep it up. And keep going and that's because that's what he really appreciates and when he saw that i was consistently posting for like two years straight of him trying to get his attention finally he's like all right let me reward the kid and then you know like next thing you know he's invited me out to his conference he's interacting with me on dm saying keep going good job like you know it was it was, it was crazy but he shouts me on a, on another podcast on andrew schultz's podcast who's also one of my favorite comedians i'm like it's this, this all this happens for because of just posting whatever you think is funny online and just yeah you just never know and yeah what would so. you what would you say that you've um i mean he's he's a he's a really savvy business guy gary v what 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 would you say you've most learned from him well th there's certain parts of what he says that we take away from like you know some parts you know it, i don't really relate to as much or you know it's like you can't sometimes when you watch your favorite creators or whatever like you don't fully relate to everything they say but you take you know you take some parts away that that, that you really resonate to and so they resonate with um but the biggest part for for us with gary v is um just his message about you know like uh, you know staying authentic to yourself having patience you know micro speed doing a lot of stuff daily but having macro patience like you know, thinking in in decades and um, slowing down, but also like working working hard every day, mm -hmm. um, having perspective, like staying humble, right? Like not letting things get to your head, just like very philosophical things like that, to be honest. Um, and just, yeah, just staying real. Like literally like I have hammered into my head just like to stay authentic every day when I'm posting content, like yeah, do things I, I, you I, can post, I right? Think, so, I think that, that Gary Vee, doesn't Gary Vee also say don't, don't, don't focus on the haters or the lovers. Like, the, the, don't, yeah, don't, yeah, don't, that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. don't don't get consumed in all the people who are loving you as well as the the trolls, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly it too. Is uh, that's that's helped us a lot because, especially because recently in the past couple of years, like the more falling you get, the more hate you get as well, and also more love. And uh, he's right. You know, it's like if you get if you get too caught up on the negativity, then you think you're you're a terrible person and you suck and you're not funny. But then the same way when you look too much into the positive comments, you think you're a god. And that's equally toxic, in my opinion, and also what Gary says. And so we, we respect Gary. We love what he says, and we trust him. And 
everything we've listened to from him has worked for us as well. And so that's the same thing. We, whenever we see comments, we just kind of engage with it neutrally and appreciate it. Um, and do you, do you read the comments on your social media? I read every single comment, DM. My brother does too. He has yeah. access to my account. Like, and we, we, and you have a, you, know, you don't have that many haters that then yet, because uh, well, if, you, not, if you read all the comments, a little bit, a little bit <laughs> but there, there's been certain times, but you won't, you won't, you won't see it on my comments because I respond to every single comment and most of it's positive and, and, and fun. They're actually big fans. So no one dares to write any bullshit because my, my audience will come and attack them. Right. Because uh, they, that you build that audience, that strong fan base, nice. like no one, no one's trying to like fuck with that, but my DMS. There's a lot of that hate and, and, you know, even that, like, it's like, whatever you have to understand that they don't have full context on your life and what you're doing. So obviously they're just going to jump to conclusions and make judgments. And that's also what Gary V talks about is like, you just, they, they just don't understand the context of what you're doing. So it's like, obviously they're going to write whatever they think they see of you. So it's interesting, you, you know, you're, a, you are a really, um, authentic guy. I mean, you're very, uh, my my experiences with you are you're you're incredibly modest and humble and just this 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 really you seem like a really sweet guy. I mean that's that's the that's that's all I get from you and that in a way um, it's so interesting. I, I mean I don't want to sort of descend into stereotypes about comedians now, but but it takes so much um, balls to go up in front of an audience and throw yourself out there. And, and I'm, I'm never surprised if a comedian seems cocky or has that streak in them because, you know, it, it takes a lot of gumption to go up and do what you do. Um, and, and, uh, that's the interesting thing about you where you've got this like sort of big bigger than life character that's in your comedy, but you're a pretty quiet guy off stage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to say I'm a, I'm an extroverted introvert. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm very chill. Like when I'm not on camera, I'm just, I am who I am, but I just, it's obviously like a little bit exaggerated for the camera because it's just more energy, but, but I, I'm never trying to be someone I'm not. Uh, the, the same things you see online is how I am with my friends and my family in person off yeah. camera. But um, I also believe I'm very, I'm more serious than people think because otherwise like, how are you supposed to, how do you expect to, to make it big and become successful and expand your brand and all these things if, if you're not taking it seriously? Um, and, and, and also that, that, that goes hand in hand with taking my health seriously, which, which, which also leads to better comedy, because if I'm not healthy, then how can I become a, a great performer? Right? Like, um, I, I always believe in that. I always think about yeah, that. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm glad, I'm glad you went there because before I let you go, that's where I want to ask you. But I mean, the last time you were here, or at least last time you were on the show, uh, you know, we had a really um, honest conversation about uh, your struggles with mental health in the past and how you how you worked your way through that and how you make it a priority to balance your life. Uh, and I wanted to ask you how you feel like that's going. That's great, man. Honestly, I'm at the best place mentally I've ever been. Um, and physically, it's, I'm not at the best yet, but I, I've, I've, I've made a lot of progress in this past year. But I know that this year is the way I'm going. By the end of this year, it's, I don't know, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be in the best shape of my life, um, which I'm excited about. And it, it just comes down to planning and staying consistent and knowing your why, right? Knowing, understanding why you're doing this in the first place. 
that's what's made it easier for me to get better mentally and physically uh, and, and for my career as well. And so, um, so what's an, what's an example of what you do for your, for, for mental health? I'm curious to learn from you. Yeah. So every morning when I wake up, I, first of all, I, I make it a habit to, um, if I, at least at the very least wake up at the same exact time every single morning. So for me right now, it's 8am and mind you, this is a, a, a guy who just up, up, up until a few years ago was waking up at like 12 p.m., 1 wow. p.m., wow. just floppy, chaotic lifestyle, no no structure, no organization. Um, I'm the youngest kid, so I was like, I was always pampered and babied. So, you know, the, my brother always sh shits on me for that but because he was the more independent older one. But I'm at a point now, like over the years, it's been like three, four, five years now that I've like really started to like help myself. And um, it's waking up consistently at like 8 a.m., going to sleep early before midnight, preferably around 11, um, you know, like not, not looking at blue light screens up until like for 30 minutes to an hour before going to bed. And then also, as soon as I wake up, you know, after going to the washroom, whatever you got to do for, for a few minutes, I may, I, the first thing I do is I meditate uh, using a waking up app called by Sam Harris. I, I follow the guided meditation for 10 to 15 minutes. I, I let my brain breathe and, you know, get into this creative space. And then I immediately start writing, stand up, sketch, wow, movie ideas, TV series idea, everything, all that stuff. That's the only way I can set myself up for a more quality and effective day. Um, yeah, and then so right after that, I'll work out. You're not not a partier. No, not at all. No, 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 no. I mean, there's I a, there, like there's a romance around that two in the morning at the comedy store. You know, yeah, ten yeah. drinks in with your comedian friends. That's how you network. Yeah. That's how you build things. That is that bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit necessarily. I, 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 the thing is, I've done that for many years before to the, getting to this point now. I, I, that's why I feel like I, I said I was hitting a ceiling in Toronto is because I've done the hours. I've done the late nights at the, the shows every single night out doing four shows in a night for weeks straight. You know what I'm saying? Like I've, I've done those hours and now I'm t it's time to do that in a different place. But, you know, a little bit more elevated because it's like, it's not like I'm coming here completely green. Right. I've built a reputation. I've built the brand. I've done the hours. I've built the, you know, the, the network. And so now I can kind of like jump 10 steps ahead and just just do the the, the best of the best. And um, that only happens by organizing your daily life and getting your shit together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no other way. Like, I, because if I didn't have the habits I have now me going out and doing stand-up would be a disaster I'd, I'd ruin my sleep which would ruin my workouts in the mornings too i, I would be, my brain would be foggy i wouldn't be able to be as creative the list goes on i would be eating terribly you know i'm saying like I, the it's, yeah it's a no i i mean honestly the the um the biggest takeaway i've i often say this to people uh, of doing interviews for years with um very very successful artists there's a thing in the artistic community especially with young like musicians or comedians or whatever that the romance of self-abuse that you got to be somehow be up all night drinking or doing drugs or something and that's how you become somebody or something and it's always been the opposite of that any any almost exclusively any time i've interviewed somebody who's really successful as an artist of some kind, a, a rock star or a comedian, or whatever, 
they always, almost always, are people who have their shit together and are really focused. I mean, even even in the Persian community, someone like Max Amini, he's a businessman. I mean, he's got he's got he sort of approaches it as you know, he gets up in the morning and does his you know sees this as a career uh, as opposed yeah. to just some something he's doing to to be popular or you know make some money and have a have a blast or something. That may be the veneer of it. So, uh, but yeah. it's not it's not the reality, and that's great that you've. Um, that you've come to that at, I would say, uh, uh, what are you, you're still like 20 years old or something, aren't you? How old are you? <laughs> no, I, I just turned 29. This oh, 29, month. man, you're getting old. Shit. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I take it all back. So, so what's the, what's the plan for, uh, for Australia? Like if somebody's listening right now, you said you're going to Perth, like, um, there's, I know there's people listening in Australia. Do you have a, do you have gigs lined up? What can you tell us? Uh, to be honest, because we made the decision to come here last minute, um, I don't have many like so, so solidified gigs lined up, you know, like in any city. I'm, I'm I'm doing a bunch of spots like I'm getting up on all my friends shows because it's like a whole month of like festival shows every night. There's like right. It's summer you know, there now. It's almost it's, shows. A, it's yeah, almost it's, summer or something. Yeah. It's summertime right now, yeah. like all over Australia. Yeah. Amazing. Um, just started pretty much. So it's yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm just like the the whole reason why we're here and why we were supposed to originally go to the U.S. like now was to prepare for my 2025 stand-up tour, uh, which will have will start in like March of 2025. So the goal is to come here and get a, as much stage time as possible to build this new hour of material that I've been working on for the past few months. Uh, to really polish it so then it's ready to go for the tour um and so that's that's more so what i'm doing over here so i'm doing five minute spots 10 minute spots 15 minute spots just to just to kind of like find the the best bits for uh the tour, the, the new hour and where so. does the 25 2025 tour go everywhere global all right you know the, first, the one last year then 2022 was just canada and a couple of uh, cities in america just as tester shows um, but this time it's going to be all of Canada, a lot of the U S Europe, Australia, and the middle East. All right, man. That's, yeah. that sounds great. I'm, um, it's, it's good to talk to you. I'm, it took me by surprise. We were, you know, I suddenly found out that you'd gone to Australia and, and, uh, uh, but I think it's, a. Uh, um, I love, I love, by the way, I love you and your brother. I love the relationship. You guys are close enough to move out there together and you're, you're really a team, uh, the way you do. You yeah. even speak as you're saying, we, um, I, I, you're talking yeah. about you and your brother, right? When you talk about this. Yeah. 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 It's always, it's always about uh, me and him. Yeah. It's so great. Without him, like I wouldn't be here. Like to be honest, like, yeah. cause he handles everything and behind the scenes. Yeah. Right. Like I'm only the face of the brand. Right, because I have to be. I'm the comedian. I'm the one who's you know making the jokes. You, but you're he, saying you're the hot one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the sexy mixy one. You know, <laughs> sexy mixy. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. But like, honestly, it's a dynamic duo. It's like without him, I'm going nowhere, and vice versa. To be honest, so it's like it's like a very strong duo because it's someone you can trust as well. That's like you, that already yeah. beats out ninety five percent of people yeah. in this industry. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's rare. It's rare to have this. Yeah. And so it's like why not double down on it? Yeah. It's like it would be as stupid. Doesn't Russell Peters? Isn't that he's with his brother's involved yeah, too? Yeah, his right? older brother too. It's yeah. literally the exact yeah. same age difference. 
it's so crazy. Like, and, and Clayton, his brother, yeah, is just like my brother. It's it's really weird. I think it's almost like a, I don't know. We're we're like the second coming of Russell Peters in a way, but <laughs> yeah, hopefully bigger and better. But you know, all out of love. Uh, it's great to talk to you, man. Good luck out there, and I I hope uh, hope we hear from you soon. I certainly hope you come back before too long, and and um, yeah. maybe, maybe if there's a chance to come out to Australia, I'd love to see you guys out there. In the meantime. Um, for the people who are who are listening in Australia, they're lucky to have you there, and hopefully they'll check out your shows there. Yeah, hundred percent. We'll love that. I'm gonna be all in Perth all month, starting this week until February 18th, and then I'll be in Melbourne the whole year, pretty much. So you'll see me all around. Cheers, brother. Enjoy yourself. Hi to hi to your family, and and uh, uh, give us. Well, we'll look we'll look forward to seeing what you come up with in Australia. Thank you very much, Azizam. Thank you very much. Oh, I know. I thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. Okay, <laughs> thank you. I see you later. Okay, no problem. Okay. Khodafes. <laughs> Khodafes. <laughs> uh, he's great, man. Nima Nazari, wishing you the best over there in Australia with your bro. This is full time for Rook for today. For all things Rook related, all our past episodes, our videos, our funnies, our different programs, and tickets to Rook Live in Aurora, go to rookmedia.com. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together Super Parisa, Smart Pega, Savvy Roham, Bearded Omi, Talented Anahita. Methodical Kaveh and Resonant Raha. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Do subscribe if you've not done so already. Find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Mizumbashi. Mizumbashi.